If we step to the challenge and do what we got to do, uh, a lot of people are going to give us respect. CCR 84, November 4th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-hold-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, hot stop! 89's in the building. Still on a mission, though. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, our guest is SI.com contributor and Sirius Satellite Radio host Ross Tucker. Nick Yeoman once again provides the fans' perspective. We have a visit with the enemy. Legendary Panther Mike Mentor is back for another installment of the Mentor View. And we have a recap of the win over the Cardinals. 15th play in the drive. Jordan grows up on his haunches like he's going to pass block. It's a little delay to Jonathan Stewart up the middle. Got the first down, twist, and he's into the end zone. Touchdown. Warner going to throw to the right. He's got an open receiver that is caught, and it is a touchdown. Right side, through the ball to Stephen Howling. DeLone takes Turns to his right, hands the ball to Jonathan Stewart, hit right away, bounces it left, 10, he's at the 5, he will score left side. Unbelievable play, Jonathan Stewart. Along with backs in the eye again. Sends Barnage in motion toward the far sideline, a pump throw to the left, double move, Ralph Smith open, inside, hauls it in, 20, 10, 5, he will score, touchdown, Carolina. Warner takes, Panthers heavy rush, little screen, picked up, Peppers, he will score, right side. Warner takes the snap, it's a pass play, Warner throws, touchdown, Patrick in the back of the end zone. Snap, spot, kicks a line driver, it is up, and it is... Good. High formation, Kreider in front of Hightower. It'll be Hightower up the middle, diving to the goal line. Touchdown. Warner looking to the right, moves up. Here comes Pepper's backside, takes him down. 43-yard line, the ball ball pops loose. Still loose on the field. Carolina has fallen on it. 31-yard field goal, snap. Casey's left foot hits it, it is up, and he's got it. Carolina 34, Arizona 21. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. The Panthers did it. They won the Super Bowl. Okay, not quite. But they sure did put an unexpected whooping on the Arizona Cardinals. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Coming in, the Cardinals boasted the number one ranked rushing defense in the league. Not anymore. D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart combined for 245 yards. Jake DeLome was only asked to throw 14 passes, and finally this looked like the offense that helped this team to 12 victories last season. The defense was outstanding as well, forcing five Kurt Warner interceptions and a fumble. Julius Peppers seemed to enjoy his trip to the desert with a sack, a forced fumble, and one incredible play on which he overcame a chop block to pick off a pass from Warner that he returned for a touchdown. Was this payback for that loss in the playoffs in January? Who cares? This was an overall great performance from this team, their first such performance of the season. It sort of makes us all ask this one question. Where has this been all year? And that's what brings us back to all of you. Hello. 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 
It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Hey, it was a great win by the Panthers against the Cardinals today. Uh, you know, nobody expected them to uh, win. I mean, it was a, you know, most people were predicting a humiliating loss with Jake throwing a ton of interceptions. But, uh, you know, they won. It was a great game, a great running game by Double Trouble, a, a great touchdown pass by Jake, perfect timing to Smitty, and great defense by Peppers and Martin. Martin should be playing every game. Just a great all-around effort, and uh, let's take it from here and beat the Saints and keep winning. What a great game. Never expected that out of them, and it was an awesome game. Uh, go Panthers, and uh, maybe uh, this is the resurgence of, uh, of Jake uh, of old. Uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, this is Don Dada88203 from Twitter. Uh, check me out. Later. Bye. Thanks to everyone who has called in to the Cat Crave Radio Hotline. If you want to make your feelings heard, feel free to give us a call at 206-350-9673 and leave a message. We'll play it back for the whole world to hear right here on the show. Again, that number is 206 350 The victory over Arizona showed us all what this team is capable of, so we all have to hope that they take this confidence boost forward with them. But it also underlines the obvious opportunity that they had last week against Buffalo. Had they won the last two weeks, coupled with Atlanta's two straight losses, they'd be tied for second in the division. Instead, the Panthers trail the Saints by four and the Falcons by one. There's time to right the ship, and maybe this is that time. We'll know if this is real or a mirage this Sunday when Carolina pays a visit to the Superdome to play the 7-0 New Orleans Saints. Look, it's nice that we came and won, but we needed it more for the 9 Panthers than we needed it to bury something from the 8 Panthers. I think that's the only way I can put it. We need this. I mean, we're going to play the best team in football on Sunday. I mean, let's be honest. We needed to come out here, do whatever we can to win, and go back to work. We're up against the wall again next week, and, and just that same attitude. That attitude was great, that confidence. You could just, you felt it at halftime. You felt it in the, you know, just, it was, it was good. It was very good. It's time now for the Panther preview. Jake says that the team is getting more confident. He could see it in the locker room, but let's don't get ahead of ourselves. We've got the best team in the NFL to face on Sunday. Joining us to talk Panthers football, of course, Nick Yeoman. Nick, what's up? Hey, what's going on, John? I, I kinda, I'm with Jake a little bit there. I'm, I'm excited, too, and, and I'm hoping that the win over Arizona can build some confidence, but it is just one game. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, New Orleans coming up. Whew, that is going to be one heck of a matchup, and, and I think it's, it could be a key win if the Panthers can pull it off if they want to get back into playoff contention. Looking back at Sunday's game, now that's our game plan. I know you're not, well, maybe you fell off the Jake bandwagon a while back, but you got to admit, boy, did he look a lot better when he just threw 14 times. Well, yeah, that, that's the, that was the key thing is that they took it out of his hand. I mean, you know, he's mistake-prone. He's going to 
he's shown so far this season that he just doesn't have that that same confidence and that same ability to to thread the needle and throw that deep ball. So yeah, they took it out of his hands and and he made one nice play, a good call on the uh, on the, you know the the fly to the Steve Smith on a little fake hitch. But yeah, I mean it does wonders when you when you only throw the ball fourteen times, and especially when you got guys like D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart on your side to back you up. Uh, yeah, Jake for the most part, I know he got beat up quite a bit, but he did. He played a pretty decent game. All right, now come on. I I need you to be honest with me here. When Jake was down and and rolling around in pain, were you one of the guys cheering? No, 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 no. I, I wasn't cheering. I'll, I'll tell you what. You 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 touched on it. I haven't been on Jake's band. I jumped off Jake's bandwagon a long time ago, and I even said that I thought Matt Moore should have been the guy that started in the Arizona game. So I wasn't happy to see Jake get hurt. I'm never happy. I like Jake, uh, you know, for what he's done for this team. Gosh, he's a great, likable guy, but. I'm not going to lie. I was excited to see Matt Moore get in there and get an opportunity. So, no, I wasn't like some of the Cardinals fans cheering for, for Jake when he went down. But uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I was excited to see Matt Moore get a chance. And, unfortunately, uh, they didn't really open up the playbook and let Matt throw the ball very much. But I think either one of those guys could have been playing quarterback and picked up the win as well as that offensive line was blocking, as well as the defense was playing, and as well as double trouble was, uh, was shredding that Arizona defense. Okay, now listen up, everybody. I know we've kind of lost interest in John and Kate at this point, so that it seems like maybe there's a little hope between Nick and Jake. <laughs> hey, hey, come on now. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. I uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm going to leave. I, you know, I have an open heart, John. I, I, I can love anybody that can play quarterback for the Carolina Panthers and, and win some games. That's all it takes. You win some games, and you'll get some love from old Big Nick. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We, we're day-to-day with Jake, just like everything is with John Fox. Well, it's time to bring in, you know, Dr. Laura and Dr. Phil and Oprah and see if we can't patch this up between you guys. But speaking of people that need patching up, good Lord. I mean, we've got, like, the walking wounded here, for goodness sake. First Hoover with a bad back, then he seems to do something pretty darn bad to his ankle. Rides off on a cart. Moose gets hurt. Doesn't play on Sunday. Jake, and he says he's okay, feeling fine. We don't know yet. Rosario had to sit at home, couldn't make the trip to go to uh, to, to Arizona. I mean, good Lord, we, this is like a mass unit we've got here. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's at the positions that we thought we were okay at. Of course, the defensive tackle, that was the spot we were losing guys left and right, and now it appears it's the fullback because Tony Fiametta, he had to leave the game with a concussion, and, and that, that offense for the running game really kind of stalled out and and uh, without a fullback in there, I imagine there were some plays they just had to throw out. Um, so, yeah, you, you hate seeing guys getting banged up, and you hope that it doesn't continue. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you take out Charles Godfrey, you plug in Sherrod Martin, you take out Dante Rosario, you, pu- you plug in Jeff King and, and uh, Gary Barnage, and, you know, really they responded well when they put well in the, uh, in the face of adversity with dealing with injuries. Okay, now I may be way off topic here, but I might be the only person in, in the world that's noticed this. But is it just me, or does somebody need to help Jeff King fit his uniform to his... I mean, because it doesn't fit his person. There's, It's just baggy. It's like he's... Is it just me? Yeah, no, no, I've noticed that, too. He wears those long sleeves, and he's just got, like, a loose sweatshirt on underneath it. And 
Boy, yeah, he needs he needs you know the the skin tight Under Armour with the the uh, the jersey rolled up underneath the shoulder pads, especially when he's laying those crackback blocks that uh, he laid a couple under in that Arizona game. It is a little weird. It's, I've always felt the same way about Jake. Jake wears that long T-shirt underneath and. It's not really aesthetically pleasing, but hey, if the guys go out there and they can get it done, who cares what they wear, John? Okay, it's school marm time. I'm going to let you throw out some grades. We'll start with the defense. I have to give the defense uh, an A. I mean, really, yeah, they gave up 21 points. You know, Arizona got their place, but when you force, you know, five interceptions on Kurt Warner as well as stripping and forcing a fumble, uh, the play Julius Peppers made with the pick six, boy, I, I don't know a defensive performance deserves an A much more than, than what I saw on Sunday against Arizona. Big running game. So-so passing game. Let's hear how you grade the offense. I have to give the offense an A as well. I mean, the running game was there. They were making plays, busting off runs, short, long. It didn't matter. And, and like I said, with the passing game, where they just they took the Jake DeLome factor out and, and said, you know what, we're not going to let him screw it up. We're just going to do the little things. And I think for the most part they played well. I'm going to give the offense an A as well. And, boy, special teams, I think they deserve an A as well. John Casey making his kicks. The guys were flying down there. It was a uh, really a total, complete effort uh, by the entire team, and, and we hadn't seen that all season long. So uh, I think everybody gets an A here, John. I'm calling Darren Gann at the Rock Hill Herald. I'm going to tell him you just gave out two A's, and we'll we'll have to tell him that there's there's news to be to be reported. We'll take a quick break here. Coming up, we've got our conversation with Ross Tucker. We got the interview coming up. We'll also visit with the enemy, a saint's enemy, and in a moment, we're going to turn our attention. Nick and I will be talking about the trip to the bayou and the New Orleans Saints. We'll be back. Don't click the stop button yet. We have more CCR coming up. This is Joe Perry and Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. Someone that jaded you. A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time. For Boomer Bust, and joining us to play the game, it's Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game, sir? Yes, I sure am, John. We shall start you off with the matchup of Chad Ochocinco versus the Ravens. Uh, Ochocinco is eighth in the league right now in receiving yards, and it's, it's coming off his best performance of the season two weeks ago against the Bears. So, you know, the Ravens, they gave up seven catches for 94 yards to Chad during the Week 5 matchup, but I just don't see him putting up the same numbers against the Ravens. They're going to be out for revenge. Uh, I'm going to say Ocho Cinco is the bust. Tom Brady versus the Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins are 21st in the league right now against the pass, and I don't feel like they'll be able to get any pressure on Brady and force any bad throws, so expect Brady, as well as his main targets, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, they're all going to be booms this Sunday against the Fins. Michael Turner versus the Redskins. Michael Turner should be a boom this weekend as well. And, you know, in a losing effort, he ran for 151 yards against the Saints. And considering the Redskins give up over 115 per game, Turner should run for 100-plus pretty easily. Matt Schaub versus the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts just they don't give much give up much through the air. And even though Matt Schaub has been playing great football lately, there's just something about playing Indianapolis that never works out well for Schaub and his teammates. 
Uh, so don't expect much from him this weekend. I think he's a bust. TJ, who's your mama versus the Lions? Well, who's your mama's last two games really haven't been anything too special, but when you get to play the Detroit Lions and the league's 27th-ranked passing defense, your numbers are going to improve. So I expect TJ to have a big game for Seattle, and boom, for all the fantasy owners this weekend. Donovan McNabb versus the Cowboys. You know, since Donovan McNabb has bounced back from that injury that he received in that opening game against the Panthers, he's thrown seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. And that Dallas secondary, in my opinion, is the weakness on the Cowboys team. So a matchup should work up pretty well for McNabb. He will have a booming weekend. And our matchup, our Panthers versus the Saints, will start with Drew Brees versus our Panthers. Well, this is the ultimate test. It's time to find out if the Panthers truly do have the league's top passing defense. I think that stat's a little skewed, you know, with the defensive situations they've been put in. Uh, I think they have a very solid secondary unit, though, and it's going to be tough to stop Drew Brees. He's just a little too good, though. Has too many weapons to have a bust-like weekend, so I'm going to have to pick Brees to boo. The Steve Smith versus the Saints. That's right. Now that he's got his touchdown under his belt, he is the Steve Smith. Uh, the Saints are really just average when it comes to giving up yardage to the passing game, which is why I expect Steve Smith to find holes, and if Jake can get him the ball, he'll boom. Smitty has a history playing really good against New Orleans, and as long as that New Orleans secondary isn't p- making plays, picking off passes, and, and forcing Smitty to have a bad game, I, I think he's going to play big. The only question now is how many times is he going to touch the ball? So, Steve Smith, when he gets the ball a lot, he's going to be a boom. Marquez Colston versus our Panthers. Well, if Drew Brees is going to have a boom this weekend, I, like I expect him to, a big reason for that will be Colston. He was soaring all over the place on Monday night against the Falcons, and I expect him to, to try to do the same thing against the Panthers. We'll see what Ron Meeks has drawn up to stop him, but I think they'll have better luck just trying to slow him down. Colston's going to be a boom. Finally, Jake DeLome versus the Saints. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Still can't pick Jake to have a boom-like weekend. The Panthers, they got to realize uh, what the weakness is on the Saints' defense and what their strength is, and that's running the ball on the weakened Saints' defensive line. So as long as Double Trouble touches the ball a lot and Jake throws the ball 15 or less times, maybe you can consider that a boom weekend for him. But uh, as far as fantasy points are concerned, Jake DeLome's a bust once again. Well, Nick, once again, we appreciate you playing the game with us. Hey, it's been great, John. Thanks. You have searched for the best the Internet can provide. Well, as long as you're here, you may as well stay a while. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back. Time now for part two of the Panther Preview. Still with Nick Yeoman. You all know Nick from the YouTube videos. Nick, before we um, look ahead to the Saints game, I'm not going to call it a showdown like we don't call it a comeback. You know, we don't call this a showdown yet. I want to look at just this one guy, one name I'm going to throw at you. And maybe even by Wednesday, he belongs on somebody else's roster. I'm not sure. Chris Chambers, though, a free man out there as a free agent now released by the Chargers. Should we go get him? I think they should certainly take a look. It always makes you wonder, though, when a big-name, high-profile guy like Chris Chambers is. I think you could, you know, I guess he's not a Hall of Famer by any stretch, but, I mean, he is kind of a high-profile name. It always makes you wonder, when they get released mid-season, what's up? I mean, what did San Diego uh, not see in him that was worth cutting him, letting him go? So, I don't know. It's interesting, but, boy, when you're when the wide receiving situation is as, as sad as it is for the Panthers right now, it's a one-man show. I think you definitely got to take a look. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll bring him in and uh, give him a physical and definitely check him out because we've seen what he can do in this league uh, when healthy and ready to go. So, yeah, give him a shot. 
whether he makes the team or not, who knows? But I think you got to look at him. All right, we've got the Saints coming up, and I guess the Saints have to stay at home so they're not marching in. We are. Familiar foes, we know these guys and know them awfully well. We see them twice a year and have been doing that for years now. The Saints maybe, just maybe, have shown a couple of vulnerabilities against the Dolphins and the Falcons, especially with the way the Falcons ran the ball on them. Because they're familiar foe and because the Saints have shown a couple of minor weaknesses, are they right for the taking? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, you touched on, you know, the Saints factor. And then you also got to take into consideration the Carolina factor that the Panthers are coming off their best performance all season long. So, yeah, I, I think this has the making of, of what could be an upset. The Panthers certainly have a chance. But, you know, like we've seen with this, this organization and this team time and time again, you just never know what to expect and you don't want to get your hopes up. But, yeah, you touched on some of their weaknesses. Running the football really seems like it could be an option. Their, their big defensive tackle, Cedric Ellis, is out. He's not going to play uh, in the game against Carolina. And you look what happened without him on Monday night in a losing effort. Michael Turner put up 151 yards. So, hello, double trouble. Get your game together, and that should certainly be a focal point for the Panthers on the offense. And, boy, if you get to Drew Brees, you get in his face a little bit. He's not going to he's not gonna Peyton Manning you and just pick you apart. If you can get at him, uh, he will make mistakes. He threw, he's thrown a couple interceptions. So, yeah, I think the game plan's out there to beat the Saints, but at the same time, I, I'm sure seven teams so far have thought they had the game plan to beat the Saints, and it hadn't worked because they're still undefeated. So uh, it's easy to sit there and look on paper what could happen, what should happen, and it's a whole other thing to actually get it done. Despite some colorful language on occasion, I wish that we could just you know, use the, the, the material that, you know, the things we're talking about before we actually, you know, click record. Uh, but one thing that we, we did talk about, and I know about the Saints, we're, you know, the Saints, they, we know these guys awfully well. And something you mentioned to me is that John Fox has never lost to the Saints in New Orleans. And uh, the same for Jake. I mean, every time Jake goes to New Orleans, he comes out with a W. Is this just a trend? Is it a coincidence? Or is this something, I mean, do they have some kind of an edge on those guys? You know, I don't know. It's kind of crazy because these guys are all professionals. I mean, it shouldn't matter. You know, each stadium, it's a, you got a 100-yard field, and most of them look, look alike, and they're all going to be loud. But, boy, when you beat a team seven straight times uh, in their house, and granted, one of those wins in, in, against New Orleans in 05 was in Baton Rouge after Hurricane Katrina, so you can maybe factor that one out. But that still leaves... Six straight times that John Fox, Jake DeLome, have walked into the uh, into the the Superdome and walked out with a victory, and I think that's that's more than just a trend. That's uh, that's something that, that the Panthers obviously have figured out that they're not worried about walking in there and, and beating the Saints. But at the same time, though, you don't want to look at that too much because hey, it's a different team each and every time that they walk into the Superdome and play the Saints, and and this is undoubtedly uh, the best Saints team that, that they've had in the last ten years. So. It should be interesting, but yeah, the Panthers, you can go ahead and call that the John Fox Dome down there in Nolens because he has owned that place. Well, you've already mentioned a little bit about the defense maybe getting in Drew Brees' face because he's not one of these guys, 6'4", six, six, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's not the tallest quarterback, so especially if you push the pocket back, he's going to have trouble seeing downfield, which is you know a very good point. So if the defense can do that, we know that's one way to attack him. But we're also talking about guys like Marquez Colston. We're talking about Pierre Thomas, Mike Bell. I mean, Reggie Bush. 
These guys, I mean, they are loaded at pretty much every skill position. If I have to hand you the clipboard and tell you to go out and game plan against these guys, tell me one more thing that you want to do against that offense to stop them. Well, I think I want the secondary to play good, sound football, and you got to know where those weapons are. You mentioned it. I mean, they'll line Reggie Bush up in the slot. Colston and, and Lance Moore and, and these guys, Jeremy Shockey, can, they can put him out there as a wide receiver and he can hurt you. So you just got to play sound football and your corners have to know where they're at and know what part of the field that they are controlling and that they're in charge of. And, you know, it should be interesting because the Panthers have been very good against opponents passing games so far this season. Um, so I think that's where it is. The secondary's got to be key. And, and, of course, you know, up front, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. you got to fill up those holes for when they give it to Bell and when they give it to Thomas. But I think secondary and the play by the corners and, and safeties over top is going to be key on Sunday. And briefly, and I, I think we already know the answer to this question, so we could probably almost gloss right over this. The offense versus the Saints, I mean, you've got Ellis out, like you mentioned before. Is this just a matter of run the ball 35 or 40 times? I mean, is it that simple? It really is. It really is because you've got such a good unit that when the offensive line's on and D'Angelo Williams is, is you know, the, the cutbacks and Jonathan Stewart's bouncing off with defenders, it doesn't matter if New Orleans or, or anyone knows that it's coming. They're still not going to be able to stop it. So it kind of makes you worry because Jeff Davidson's kind of been the type of offensive coordinator and John Fox is, as well. You know, as soon as one thing works, they shy away from it because they think the defense will know how to stop it. But no, I think you got to go out there and just try to run them right over. Well, let's hear it. What's your prediction for this game? You know, I, I've got a feeling, John. I don't know what it is. I've just got a feeling. You know, like I said, Michael Michael Turner ran for 151 yards in a losing effort, and I think a lot of that has to do with Cedric Ellis being out. So if and only if Double Trouble can run wild on New Orleans, control the clock, keep Drew Brees off the field, the Panthers can win this game. Like I mentioned, they have owned the Superdome. haven't lost since 2001. Alas, though, uh, if I'm a betting man, i got to go with New Orleans. And, and I need to boost my picking record later on. So I'm going to play it safe and take the Saints, John, but it would not surprise me one bit if the Panthers are in this to the very last second. Boy, if they get an opportunity and they leave the door open to win this game, you better believe they're going to seize that opportunity. So if I'm a betting man, like I am, uh, i got to take the New Orleans Saints. But I think the Panthers are going to be right in it. Well, I know we'll uh, we'll be getting to the rest of your picks here in just a minute. Uh, Nick, we do appreciate you being with us once again for the Big Panther Preview. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Looking forward to the games this Sunday. This is Cat Crave Radio. We are joined now by Ross Tucker, um, a SI.com contributor. He's a serious satellite radio host. He's also the operator of GoBigRecruiting.com. Ross, thanks for being with us. No problem, John. Anytime I've been on Cat Crave. Okay, Ross, we're probably all looking at a new head coach next year. At least, you know, considering the way the season has started off, things don't look so good for John Fox. The seat is probably getting hot underneath him. If the team does let him go, what type of candidate should we expect them to look for? John, you're not even going to enjoy the win on Sunday yet? I mean, you're already going to move on to the hot seat? I mean, come on. You guys have had a rough season so far. That was a big win for you guys. Oh, man, the number one internet browser here is Firefox. So, you know. (laughs) I like that. Um, You know, I I don't know. It's a good question. I, I would not personally be in favor of a move to fire John Fox. I think he's proven himself time and again. 
Um, obviously, a couple NFC Championship games. Last year, they had an excellent record. And the thing I think that is most exciting about what he's accomplished is, like, you know, they'll have a down year, and he just has this magic of being able to pull them out of it uh, the following year, or at least a year after that. So um, I guess if you got rid of him after this season, you know, you might be missing out on a good year next year. The problem is uh, maybe it has more to do with the personnel. You know, maybe you got to talk about Marty Herney as well, just given the fact that the quarterback decision was a bad one. Um, obviously, the Julius Pepper situation yesterday notwithstanding uh, has not been handled great. Um, but there's some talent on this football team. I don't know. I think if you want to bring in somebody that's really going to make a difference, you're probably looking at a guy like a Bill Cower or a Holmgren or someone of that ilk. And I think those guys are going to want to have all of the control. And I just don't know, you know, if Mr. Richardson is willing to get rid of both Herney and Fox and really start from scratch. Well, now I personally am still in Fox's corner. I, I want to go on record with that because I, I do like the guy. I like his style. Um, I just think right now we may have reached, you know, we may have reached a point of, of an impasse, if you will. Maybe the team has heard that message too many times. And I know they've had a, a history, at least in their, well, in their three coaching searches and bringing in guys that were not outside of one hire that was, you know, somebody that wasn't that old. They're probably looking at somebody in their early 40s, maybe late 30s. Is it possible going with youth like a Sean McDermott or a Brian Schottenheimer? Could guys like like those guys, could they be considered in, in this if he is released? Well, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, that's the trend in the league now. You look at uh, not only what Mike Tomlin and, and John Gruden did as young coaches, but what's that led to? Uh, with Raheem Morris and Josh McDaniels. And so if the trend continues, I think they would go that route. And the two guys you just mentioned are excellent candidates. Um, I could throw another one at you, a young guy in Kyle Shanahan, who runs the offense for the Houston Texans and does a fantastic job with them. And obviously they have some talent, but he also does some awesome things schematically, a lot of great play-action stuff. Um, so he's another young guy that could get some consideration as well. You know, I, I would guess that whoever it is, you're going to want them to be somewhat of a quarterback guru. You're probably going to have to draft a quarterback or at least make some sort of change at that position. So I would guess that they would lean towards the offensive side of the ball uh, with the next hire if they do, in fact, make the decision to get rid of Fox. There has been a whisper or two, and it's something that I think some of us have started to notice the last two or three weeks. And it finally came out that quarterbacks coach Rip Shearer had said he didn't want to overcoach Jake. He just told him to kind of go out and let loose and just play ball on Sunday. At any point that you watched him early this season, did you think he looked overcoached? No, I don't. I don't think you overcoach a player like Jake DeLome. I mean, they get to a certain stage. I can tell you right now, they're not really coaching guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. I mean, people. some people go to practices in Indianapolis, um, like a Friday practice. I mean, Peyton Manning's pretty much running things. I mean, they, could, they could call him Coach Manning, or they could give him a player-coach designation. He really does that much. You know, I think when you're coaching a guy like that, now, I'm not saying Jake DeLome is in that category, because he's not. But when you're a long-time starter in the National Football League, it's more, of a, it's more of a partnership. It's more of just trying to help the guy out and do whatever you can to put him in a situation 
Uh, I think to some extent it's been Jake DeLome forcing things as opposed to you know being overcoached. Well, we are noticing some some major changes with this team. Jake is getting older. Moose is getting older. Brad Hoover is getting older. It seems like everybody on that offense uh, at some of the key positions we've always relied on are getting a little age on them, especially Moose. But now that Steve Smith has hit his early 30s, his numbers are down. Do you think maybe that Smitty has lost a step? Uh, you know, I don't know, but he, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like he has quite the same part, does it? I mean, you see some of the, the highlight clips they have of him not quite being able to get the ball. Now, I, I don't know, it just seems like some of them, Steve Smith used to have that extra gear to be able to get there. Uh, obviously, we got to put some of the blame on the fact that Jake has not been as accurate this year for the most part as he had been last year, but... Uh, I think that Steve Smith might be slowing down a little bit, and that's scary because they've got a lot of money invested in them. And you reference all the other guys that are getting older. If Steve Smith's getting older as well, you know, then you really just have a couple offensive linemen and a couple of running backs to hang your head on. Okay, we started off 0-3. We've won three out of four, and finally a quality win, like you mentioned earlier, over Arizona on Sunday. Do you think that's the kind of win that turns the season around for this team? I don't know. It's a great question. Uh, I think certainly um, it's something that should get them excited. I don't know how much it says about the Arizona Cardinals. They, they, for whatever reason, refuse to handle prosperity very well at all. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals are one of those teams that you know you could just never count on them to show up week in and week out. Um, so, like I said, I don't know if it says more about the Panthers or more about the Cardinals, but uh, they still put a lot of points on the board. Clearly, their best of the season so far, and it makes you kind of rack your brain. How could they lose you know, the game at home against Buffalo or some of the other games that Carolina has lost? But they're not out of this thing yet. You know, I've been on a 3-6 and six team that won six games in a row uh, in Buffalo in 2004. We were 9-6, and six, and if we won our last game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, we would have made the postseason. So I think the Panthers still have enough talent and enough guys on that team to believe that they're they're not out of this thing yet as a wild card. They can probably still afford to lose one more game. So if they do use the Cardinals' win to ignite them, uh, it's not over yet. Well, let's hope they do. Uh, Ross, we appreciate you being with us again. Uh, Ross Tucker, SI.com contributor, uh, Sirius Satellite Radio host. And don't forget to go check out GoBigRecruiting.com. Ross, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Questions? Comments? Send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. The Crave returns in a moment. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off-season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again to pick some games. Joining us to do that, it's Nick Yeoman from YouTube. It's hard to believe, but we have reached week nine, the halfway point of the NFL season. Nick, you were eight and five last week. Overall for the season, 79 and 37. Are you ready to pick some games? Yeah, I'm sure. I got I to improve that percentage. I know we were talking a little bit. You thought that was pretty good, but 
it's not good enough for me, John. I gotta, I gotta have that perfect weekend. So let's start this off right. Well, let's aim for that perfect weekend, starting with the Ravens and Bengals. So it's, it's a big, big game for both teams. If Cincinnati wins, you know they take a two-game edge in the North over Baltimore, and and will have completed the season sweep. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Baltimore is the type of team that's going to let that happen, especially considering they they look so good against Denver. I expect them to pound the Bengals' defensive line with Ray Rice, Willis McGahee, and ultimately a win for the Ravens. Dolphins and Patriots. You know, I can't figure out this Miami Dolphin team. They started out 0-3, and, and, you know, really, they'd be 5-0 if they, if they wouldn't have blown that lead over the undefeated Saints. So I think they'll give New England one heck of a game, but in the end, the Patriots will make more big plays on both sides of the ball and hold off the fins. But I fully expect this one to go right down to the last second. Redskins and Falcons. The Falcons have lost two straight games to pretty stout Dallas and New Orleans squads, and, and this should be a perfect bounce-back opportunity against the Washington Redskins. The skins are a mess, and the fact that this game is in the Georgia Dome only makes it worse for the Redskins fans, so I'm going to take the ATL with this one. What used to be the Battle of the Bays and actually a good game, the Packers and Bucks. Yeah, with Tennessee and St. Louis winning last weekend, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now the only winless team in the NFL. I expect that to continue in the Battle of the Bays this weekend. Aaron Rodgers, just a little too much for the Bucks. I'm going to take Green Bay over Tampa Bay. The Cardinals and the Bears. Well, somewhere Denny Green's thinking the Bears are who we thought they were. And if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. Uh, both of these teams are, are, you know, they are what I know they are, which are just mediocre ball clubs. I'm going to take Chicago. They all take them at home at a close one. Texans and Colts. The Houston Texans are really coming on strong, but they're matched up against, in my opinion, the top team in the NFL. If this game was in Houston, then I'd give the Texans a shot. But in Lucas Oil Stadium, the Colts are tough to beat. Uh, Peyton's bunch, they're coming off an ugly win against San Fran. And they usually don't have to win ugly two weeks in a row. So expect the Colts to be ready for a beatdown win. I don't know if they win big, but they will not struggle against Houston this Sunday. The Chiefs and Jaguars. Well, it seems like every week the NFL schedule features one of these stinkers. I mean, I guess I'd rather see the two bad teams like the Chiefs and Jaguars play each other rather than watching them beg for mercy against one of the league's top teams. Uh, This one's really a coin flip. I called tails, and and that's what Jacksonville was. So I'm going to take the Jaguars. Lions and Seahawks. Well, neither of these two teams are in very good positions this year either. Uh, they have a combined record three and eleven, and but despite losing their last two games by a combined score of sixty-five to twenty, and letting go of Edger and James, I think Seattle's a little bit better. So I'm going to take the Seahawks. The Titans and Niners. Well, when Chris Johnson runs wild like he did last Sunday, it makes you think that Tennessee really can't beat anybody in the league and look like that thirteen to three team. However, Johnson's going up against the league's second-best rushing defense, and without a solid running game, there's no way the Titans find any success on offense. So unless Kerry Collins explodes for a monster game, like I don't think it's going to happen, I'm going to take the Niners. Chargers and Giants. The New York Giants desperately need something to go right, or they may fall a little too far behind Philly and Dallas, who are looking pretty solid in the NFC East. I think they put it together, though, and pick up the win against, on Sunday against the Chargers. San Diego, in my opinion, is, is a bad 4-3 and three team. Their four wins are, are twice against Oakland, once against Kansas City, and once against Miami. So no real quality win. So I'm going to take the G-Men. The Cowboys and Eagles. It's a big-time battle for first place in the NFC East. I, stay, I expect a lot of points this Sunday. And if you're a big-time fan of uh, defensive football, you may want to check out a different game. Philadelphia has just some great young weapons. Brent Selleck at tight end, Jeremy Macklin, LaShawn McCoy, and especially Deshaun Jackson. He has five touchdowns this season of over 50 yards. 
I think they're just a little too much for Dallas to contain. So give me Philly at home. Steelers and Broncos. This is an intriguing matchup as well because we get to see for the first time how a Josh McDaniels team responds from a loss. I don't expect them to bounce back very well, and most of it has to do with the fact that Pittsburgh really coming on. They've sh- they've kind of really they've shook off that poor start. So they'll hand Dan- Denver lost number two this season, and the Steelers uh, they'll improve to six and two with the win. And again, we'll talk about that Panthers and Saints matchup. Well, boy, I want to pick them. I want to pick the Panthers so badly, but like I said, I'm all about the percentage. So I'm going to go with the favorites, the Saints at home. But like I said, this is going to be a good game. There's a lot of Saints fans that think that are getting cocky, think they're going to just roll over the Panthers. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, you know, D'Angelo, Jonathan, they're going to give them a game, but ultimately, i got to pick New Orleans. Well, Nick, we appreciate you picking the games for us, and we will continue to keep score. Hey, it's been fun, John. I appreciate it again. There are those born to be champions. And then there are these guys. Welcome back to Cat Grave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. We've added a new method for you to stay in touch. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call us at 206-350-9673 and leave a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or the show. Good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. Just tell us what's on your mind. Call us at 206-350-9673. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Third and four at the 22-yard line of the Falcons. Two wide receivers to either side. They'll run it. Pierre Thomas takes the tackle, sidesteps another. He's to the 10. Touchdown! What a run by Pierre Thomas! It's time to hear from the enemy. Joining us to represent the New Orleans Saints, the 7-0 New Orleans Saints, is Nola Chick from Chicks in the Huddle. Nola, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. If I didn't get accused of really bad things, I was going to introduce you as my new girlfriend, but, you know, I didn't want to say that. (laughs) Everybody's on the bandwagon. You know, your team does well. All of a sudden, you get offers left and right. I understand that. Well, you guys have got to be awfully high. I mean, even Jake DeLome. I mean, the guy called you, or called the Saints, the best team in the league. Uh, Do you think they are? Uh, I do think they are. Obviously, I'm biased. But this time I mean it. I say it every year, but I actually mean it and have some evidence to back it up. And um, I think what separates uh, our team from not only our team in years past, but from other teams in the league is that this is a team that has proven we can find a way to win. And I think that they've won in so many different ways this season. That's what makes them so impressive. They'll put 40 points up on you if they can't do that, and the defense is going to smother you. If Drew's having an off game, the running game is going to step up. And that's the that's what you need. That's a championship team, and they they they've proven that they are that caliber of team that will beat you in multiple ways. And a lot of people have compared them to um, the Patriots when they went on that winning streak. But you know, I think that they are a more solid team, honestly, than the Patriots were because the Patriots, you know, they only kind of knew how to win one way. And when it really mattered in the Super Bowl, they got beat. And I think that, you know, it's important for our team to continually get tested and, you know, go down a couple of scores and find ways to make big plays down the stretch or to maintain a lead and not have someone come back on you and they've proven that they've got, they've got that down pat. It's, it's amazing. It really is to watch 
what, uh, you know, Sean Payton has done with his team and keeping them focused and what Greg Williams has done as a new defensive coordinator to really bring a new energy and a new aggressiveness to our defensive unit. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of confidence, rightfully so. I mean, at 7-0, you should be. But we've seen that offense before. We know so much about them. We, You know, we've watched them operate. We've watched Drew Brees and all of the weapons around him. Has anything changed since last year that we may have had slipped past us? Well, I think, obviously, the, the biggest change is that the Saints have a defense this year. They've always been capable of putting up you know, lighten the scoreboard up. That's never been a problem. But this year, they have a defense to back them up so that when they put up those points, another team is not going to be able to put up as many points. Or when the offense is having a bad day, the defense can step up and make plays of their own, much like uh, the Miami game, which I was, I went to the Miami game and I still haven't got my voice back yet from the excitement of that amazing comeback victory. But you know, I think that was a game that showed what a complete team this is now, if there were ever any doubts before. And, you know, although we had a lot of success offensively last season and seasons prior, we struggled getting a real running game together. And I think what Mike Bell and, you know, Pierre Thomas have been able to do is to take us to that next level with our rushing game and to have someone who is as explosive as Reggie Bush just to kind of complete that picture has taken the offense to a, a new, even higher octane level than they were at before. Well, you mentioned the defense and hiring Greg Williams. I know that created a big buzz even before the season got started because he's all about pressure and he plays sort of a mean style of defense and you know he's all about attacking. We have an idea, at least, I think, Everybody wants to get into Jake's face and force a few turnovers, especially the way he has started the season. What about that defense besides just the attacking style? I mean, who is stepping up? Uh, you know, who are the players that are that are actually showing improvement? And what can you tell us about them that, that we need to know going into Sunday? Uh, we have a legitimate secondary. Darren Sharper has brought uh, a level of experience and a level of swagger and confidence to our secondary. And it's spreading. It's, it's like an epidemic. It's infectious. You know, you see it now in Jabari Greer and Tracy Porter, and these guys who really didn't get opportunities last year, they have a, a new level of confidence. And I think a lot of it really had to do with the free agency acquisition of Darren Sharper because he has so much experience and because he's been there. You know, he's, he's been there and done that. He can instill in these guys a new hunger and a new aggressiveness and give them some pointers. Based on what he's already seen, he's a tried and trusted, uh, tested player, tried and true. And, you know, they didn't really have that before. They didn't have that experience level. I think Mike McKenzie was, um, you know, he was a great guy. And, you know, he had a, a time in his career where he really, you know, did some great things. But once he got to our organization, I think that that time had started to, the sun had started to set on that a little bit for him. Darren Sharper is still playing like he is, you know, got fresh rookie legs. He's amazing. And I think that that's what no one really expected from the Saints, was that they would have such a strong secondary, averaging two takeaways a game. That's what, that's what wins games. If you can, you know, stay, get the advantage in that takeover ratio, everybody knows that, then, you know, you're going to win football games, and that's what they've been able to do. Well, what can you tell us about the Saints' injury situation? Who's out? Who's questionable? 
Um, you know, I have no idea, to be perfectly honest with you. I went to the game last night, and um, I am still in that mode of, um, I think you know what I mean, <laughs> having yeah. been at a Monday night football game and tailgating. I'm not working with on high cylinders at all on the status and injury report. What I do know is that what's, what we've seen as well this year is that when guys go down, we've had people step in off the bench and, you know, produce and play solid football and not be a liability to the team, which is very important. When I've seen the pictures, I thought you and Sean Payton were like best of friends. Wouldn't you think? Wasn't he all over me? My goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to his Black and Gold Gala, and um, it, it was very kind of the founder, uh, I'm sorry, the person who helped to organize his organization, invited me to come. I'd done a story on what Sean was doing for the community, and she was very sweet to let me come, and then Sean was very sweet to let me sneak into VIP and take a picture with him and his beautiful wife. And I saw him again at the... Miami game when he went around slapping everybody's hands and I was in that number down there, you know, getting my high five on. And I was like, yo, you remember me, Sean? And um, he nodded like he did. And something tells me he was telling the truth. I looked into his eyes and I saw my future. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know the the Saints are 7-0. and You had a little bit of a scare during the Monday night game. Had a scare against Miami. You've had some quality wins leading up to this Sunday's, I don't want to call it a showdown, we'll call it a game versus the Panthers. Give us your prediction for Panthers-Saints. Well, I I think it would be unwise for a fan of the Saints or the players themselves to take this Panthers game lightly despite the records of these two teams. It's a division game. It's going to be a tough division game. And I don't take the Panthers lightly, even with, you know, the huge discrepancy in where our seasons are going. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I know we're going to win, but I think it's going to be a tough game. And if I had to guess the score, I've been doing pretty good on guessing scores. So I'm going to say Saints 31, Panthers 20. That's what I got for you. Well, that's fair enough. You know, That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I, I predicted worse than that last Sunday and. Well, you see where it got me, so that's actually a good thing. <laughs> well, well, Nola, we do appreciate you joining us. Uh, Nola Chick uh, from Chicks in the Huddle. Nola, thanks for being with us. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure. It's Minner at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. Minner to the 10. Minner to the 5. Touchdown! It's time now for the Minterview. Here comes the Ready and now. We are joined now by legendary Carolina Panther, Mike Minter. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me again, John. I want to start off, I'm actually going to back up two weeks with you, uh, Mike. We had a discussion right here on this segment, and what we talked about was John Fox's message and how, you know, a lot of times you, you hear the boss kind of using the same message over and over again, and sometimes it's going to fall on deaf ears after a while. Do you think maybe, after watching them play against the Cardinals, that either he changed the message, or do you think, I mean, it's, did something else happen that just kind of got through to these guys? Well, you know what, sometimes we give the coach too much credit when when uh, things going well with his message, and then sometimes we give him... Uh, too much credit when it's going bad too, and um, with his message, and 
And and I think it really comes down to the players. I think the players have to step up and begin to give a message of their own that says, okay, look, we believe in in, in this philosophy. We believe in, in this style of play. Now, God, we got to go out there and do it. And so I, I think it, it, what, what happened is, is you have some key players begin to step up and and speak about the message that they wanted to get across, and people started to, um, you know, feel that. And not only speak about it, but also go on the field and, 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 and do it. So I think it's a combination of both things that's going on right now. You know, Coach Fox, uh, you know, giving the um, the leaders the opportunity to get up and speak to the team and, and get them fired up. And, and, and so I, I think, uh, you know, we got some players that, that finally began to step up and say, look, guys, that's enough. we got enough talent on this football team. Let's just go out there and play football and then let the um, chips fall where they make. Well, you're talking about guys stepping up. Uh, Peppers really stepped up on Sunday and played probably the, the best game I've ever seen him play. And even Coach Fox said he thought that's the best four-game stretch he's ever seen him play. You had a rookie, Sherrod Martin, step in at safety after Godfrey went down with an injury. And speaking of Martin stepping in, I mean, is it possible after the way he played? I mean, could he just could he have just stolen the job from Charles Godfrey? You know what? Um, that's how his league works. You know, you that's why it's so tough for people when they get injured. When you're injured and, and um, somebody else step in and, and begin to play the role, you know, better than you played the role. Sometimes you never hear about this start anymore. Um, and, and and so, you know what, that's that's the nature of the game. And, and Sherrod Martin stepped up and played a heck of a football game. And what I saw for the first time is I saw a safety able to make big plays in the passing game. And and that is, is, is what we've been missing. And, and he was able to jump on the ball and wasn't afraid to go attack the ball and and the other thing that I saw that I was really impressed with the young kid is that he he would come out of the middle and he was making tackles. And so that's the that's the first thing that I look at is when a when a safety come make a tackle, how is he doing it? And he came up two or three times in that game and, and really made an impact on on his tackling. So you know what you know again I I don't get to see all the little things that that maybe he did um, in the game that we don't get to see on TV. But from what I've what I saw, the kid can play some football, and you know it's going to make it for an interesting uh, couple um, couple weeks. Well, we saw a great game on Sunday. The Panthers, well, publicly said that they didn't consider that personal. It wasn't payback. They just wanted to go out and play a good game and and you know win themselves a game in the desert. But I think what we saw Sunday is you know what this team is really built to be. You know, defense and run the football. We haven't seen them all season, but if they continue to play that way, what are they capable of? I mean, can they actually turn this thing around as as deep a hole as they dug? Could they turn it around and still make the playoffs? They can actually turn, um, absolutely turn this thing around. You, 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 when you look at this and and you look at this uh, situation that you're two and four, these guys finished twelve and four last year. Can you go on a run to win six, seven games in a row? Absolutely. The schedule is very, very hard. I mean, they have to play lights out football for the rest of the way. I mean, you can't have or afford a game where you just go in and just don't have it that day. You can't afford that now because you, you put yourself in the hole. That's the only thing that makes it very, very difficult. 
to come out of this hole because every week you have to play lights out football because, I mean, everybody you playing can play football, and so it makes it very, very tough. Can it be done? Yes. How likely it's going to be done? Man, it's a low percentage that that, that that's going to happen. But if we continue to play like we played last week, it, it, it's going to be fun to watch. At least they're going to make it very, very interesting coming out down the stretch um, through the rest of this uh, football season. So I'm looking forward to this game Sunday. This game Sunday will tell us a lot about uh, what we had as a football team because you're going back-to-back to play two high-powered offenses. And, and plus, you know, New Orleans Saints is playing great defense. Um, but the formula we used Sunday was to play great defense, put pressure on the quarterback, get turnovers, and um, run the football that formula right there works, and um, hopefully we can make that continue to happen on Sunday. I know I'm a couple minutes late on this, but you mentioned before that the the coach lets the veterans come in, you know, and talk to the team, and you know, put them up there and and let the team listen to them talk. But it sounded like maybe on occasion he just surprised the guy and said, "Okay, I want you to talk today." You know, you're the one. I've I've picked you. You're the guy that's going to do the talking. Did when that happened to you? Did you ever feel like you were kind of put on the spot? I mean, did you did you see any like um, real awkward moments where I mean, he's not used to talking in front of people? You know, I can tell. But, but did that ever happen where he just the guy couldn't quite get his message out? Well, absolutely. I mean, but you know, he never springed it on on, on anybody. <laughs> he always go up to him on on uh, Friday doing walkthrough and say, look, man, I, I want you to, you know, address the team um, tomorrow at, you know, doing doing Saturday's walkthrough. So, so I mean, he gives them, he gives us at least 24 hours to think about it. But that's still like springing on somebody. So, uh, <laughs> especially when you're not used to uh, getting up there and, and speaking to the team. And, and so, yes, it's been awkward moments for, for guys who, who, you know, normally don't speak a lot and, and you know, had to get up there and, and speak to the team. But you know what the thing is, man, is that you just got to be who you are and, and whatever that is. You don't have to be a dynamic speaker. You just have to speak from your heart. And I think people respond from from um, heartfelt speeches, not uh, written down speeches or or uh, speeches with, you know, big words or, or anything like that. It is straight from the heart. And so if you just say it straight from your heart, God, look, let's go out there and it came from your heart. Guess what? We're going to be rocking and rolling, getting ready for that football game. So I, I think that is the message that people feel. And, and I think Lucas Peppers did a couple of weeks is that he just spoke straight from his heart and people responded to that. And this is what you're starting to see, the play from him and also from the entire football team. Well, let's hope we continue to see this inspired play that we saw on Sunday and and we'll just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, Mike, once again, we appreciate you being with us. Um, you know, I always look forward to these conversations, and uh, I know a lot of people out there looking forward to it, but we do appreciate you being with us. All right, be good, John. When I was watching the game on Sunday, I saw and heard something that, quite frankly, disturbed me. Jake DeLome had just taken a nasty hit and was driven into the turf and was writhing in pain. When he was slow to get up, I heard cheering. Yes cheering. As usual, I was watching the game while tweeting like a madman over on Twitter. There, I saw some fans voice their pleasure that Jake had gone down. They wanted Matt Moore to be playing anyway. I'm sorry, but no matter who you root for any given Sunday, and no matter who you want to see playing at any position, 
It's not only classless to cheer for an injury, but it's darn near unforgivable. Jake isn't the most popular player anymore, and we all know that the most beloved player for a lot of the teams in the league is the backup quarterback, in this case Matt Moore. But if your reaction to an injury is to cheer and say how happy you are that he isn't getting up, then you don't constitute a fan at all. Football isn't about being able to witness injuries. This isn't about being morbid and wishing the worst on somebody. Pick a team and root for them, but if you don't like the guy playing, don't wish physical harm on him, for goodness sake. You want Matt Moore in the game? That's fine. But at the expense of an injury and pain? Come on now. I want to see my favorite team win as much as anybody, but I'll be there to cheer for them no matter who is at quarterback, and I'd hope all Panthers fans would be. But if wishing bad things on someone is what being a fan means to these people, then we can easily let them know that we don't want them around as fans. And when that becomes a requirement to be a fan, count me out. That being said, can this team continue where they left off with that big win in the desert? I'm not so sure. The Saints don't just boast a glossy 7-0 record. They have a dangerous offense and a defense that can cause some massive headaches. I'm not so sure this one goes in the win column. Besides, the Panthers like to win when I pick against them anyway. So my prediction? Saints 28, Panthers 24. I want to thank Ross Tucker for being with us. Check out all of Ross's work over at SI.com. A tip of the cap to Nola Chick for being with us and for being a good sport. She can be found on the web at chicksinthehuddle.com. As always, my sincere appreciation to Mike Mentor for joining us. Mike, you know I consider you a scholar and a gentleman. And finally, but certainly not leastly, Nick Yeoman. Yep, check out Nick's vids over on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Nick, we'd be lost on this show without you, big guy. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Now, we are experiencing a couple of issues over there, and we're doing all we can to straighten things out, so be patient with us. And while you're at it on the web, give us a follow over on Twitter. We're listed there under Cat Crave Radio. And don't forget that Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call us with your thoughts on the team anytime, day or night, and we'll use what we hear on the show. The number is 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thank you for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.